Here's a cup of tea, Mum. Dulce. What was that, Grandad? <laughs> Decorum est pro patria mori. Grandad, Vashti, run and get a nurse. Oh, Grandad. <laughs> Dolce et decorum est, pro patria mori. Okay, class, come on. I want us to read a poem. It's by Wilfred Owen. It's called Dolce et decorum est. Those were great granddad's dying words. Sir, sir, those words, what do they mean? Good question. They mean it is sweet and fitting to die for one's country. Dolce <laughs> decorum est. Pro-atria mori. Great granddad, I don't understand. Welcome to the Smart Pass Guide to War Poetry. I am the Pass Master and I'm here to take you on an historical journey back in time to help Vashti discover the meaning of her great-grandfather's last words and to help you understand and appreciate the works of the First World War poets. Together, we shall find out what the world looked like in 1914 and how people lived. We'll experience some of the soldier poets' work and witness events in their lives to understand how from the chaos of war came poetry that changed the face of literature forever. The poem of the mind in the act of finding what will suffice. It has not always had to find. The scene was set. It repeated what was in the script. Then the theatre was changed to something else. Its past was a souvenir. It has to be living to learn the speech of the place. It has to face the men of the time and to meet the women of the time. It has to think about war and it has to find what will suffice. That was On Modern Poetry by Wallace Stevens. He seems to have understood how the impact of the soldier poets would change the way the world sees poetry, how it would break the mould and create new freedoms for writers and artists to express themselves. To understand what makes a man, in the face of death, write down his innermost thoughts and fears, we must explore a world that is very alien to us today. A world of mud and blood, of rats and disease, of life and death. The battlefield and the trench. We'll also take a look at the poetry of combat and war from an earlier age to find out why the poetry of the First World War is so different. (laughs) 
Hello, Vashti. Who are you? I'm the past master. I'm here to help you understand those last words of your great-grandfather. You called out for help. Are you sad? No, not really. It isn't that. I hardly knew him, you see. He was 104 years old. He lived in a home. My mum used to visit, but I can only remember seeing him three or four times, and we didn't talk. My mum's really upset, and that makes me sad. When she was a girl, they were very close. He left me a box in his will. Have you opened it? Yes. There were lots of books. Some proper books. A lot of them about poetry. But there was also lots of notebooks. And they were full of poems that he must have written. And there's a medal and bits of a uniform and... And you want to know why he left them to you? Well, yes. I don't really understand. Was he telling me something? Well, there's only one person who knows that for certain. Tom Revel. Great Grandad. But he's... Dead. Yes. Are you scared? No, not at all. Good. That poem you read in school, your grandfather's last words. Do you remember who wrote it? Wilfred Owen? That's right. I bet you didn't know that your great-grandad served under him in the war. The First World War. The First World War, the Great War, the 1914 to 1918 War, the war to end all wars. Bent double, like old beggars under sacks. Knock-kneed, coughing like hags, we cursed through sludge. Till on the haunting flares we turned our backs, and towards our distant rest began to trudge. Men marched asleep. Many had lost their boots, but limped on, bloodshod. All went lame, all blind drunk with fatigue, deaf even to the hoots of tired, outstripped five-nines that dropped behind. Gas! Gas! Quick, boys! An ecstasy of fumbling, fitting the clumsy helmets just in time. But someone still was yelling out and stumbling and floundering like a man in fire or lime. Dim through the misty panes and thick green light as under a green sea, I saw him drowning. In all my dreams, before my helpless sight, he plunges at me, guttering, choking, drowning. If in some smothering dreams you too could pace behind the wagon that we flung him in and watch the white eyes writhing in his face, his hanging face, like a devil sick of sin. If you could hear at every jolt the blood come gargling from the froth-corrupted lungs, obscene as cancer, bitter as the cud of vile, incurable sores on innocent tongues, my friend, you would not tell with such high zest to children ardent for some desperate glory the old lie. Dulce et decorum est pro patria mori. Wilfred Owen, 1917. Dulce et decorum est pro patria mori. It is sweet and fitting to die for one's country. The original words written by Horace in the first century BC. And it's a lie. The old lie, as Owen says. Great granddad! Oh. Hello, Vashti. Tom Revel. It's good to meet you. 
You've come to help your great-granddaughter. It was those words, your last words. I didn't understand them. Oh, they're Latin. But even when they were translated, I didn't understand. It was such an odd thing to say on your deathbed. Yes, yes, it probably was. They say when you die, your life flashes before you. Well, I only got my first 20 years or so. When I was hardly older than you are now, I lived at least a lifetime in only two or three years. The war. I was up to my neck in mud and blood and pain. I saw men die. No, I saw boys die. By the score, by the thousand. And is it sweet and fitting to die for one's country? No, no, it is not. As Owen says in that last line, The old lie, dulce et decorum est pro patria mori. The old lie. What does that mean? The lie that it was sweet and fitting to die for your country. It was not. It was pain and misery and heartbreak for your family. You see, we'd been sold a story at home that it was an honourable death, that a soldier falling in battle was noble, proud. But there, in that mud, where a shell or a bullet from an unknown gun could suddenly snuff out your life, well... Where's the nobility in that? And Owen took that thought that must have been inside the minds of so many men and said it out loud in this poem. In fact, Owen takes 2,000 years of war writing and says... Don't listen to that. Listen to me. The truth is gas and rats and horror. That's right. I knew you were a smart girl. That's why I left you my treasure. That box. It's treasure. It's treasure of a sort. Have you ever heard this? The one who does not remember history is bound to live...